Hey, today we have Mark McKay, the infamous Mark McKay. I'm sure everyone knows who he is. If you don't, fuck off. He's Mark McKay, a drummer, a writer, a drummer for one of the most influential punk bands, hardcore bands of the last 50 years. He was the drummer for Slapshot for 30 some odd years, I think. Maybe a little shorter, I don't know, maybe a little longer. We get into it. But overall, just an amazing, friendly, just genuine person. Uh, one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, honestly. I can, only, I can only think of maybe two other people that I would put in his category. And he was nice enough to do this. I haven't seen him in probably 12 years. But I contacted him and he said, I was like, do you want to do this thing? And he said, fuck yeah, I haven't seen you. I want to see you. So uh, I really appreciate him taking the time. Uh, as well, uh, his daughter came. And it was great to meet her. So, uh, this is all your things are gone. I think I saw a picture of this guy. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Cool. It was It was like, I don't know. Yeah, it was loud. It was loud. <laughs> but it was, it was a very metal loud. show. It, yeah, it was metal. He was definitely making heavy, heavy kind of drone, improvisational drone music, you know, mm-hmm. and then screaming into the mic but like twirling effects around it and stuff mm-hmm. and I was like like Cookie Monster style like but I, I expected the voice to come out like that but it was so treated yeah that it was just coming out as these kind of like these almost like rushes it almost sounded like waves hmm. it was wild you stayed the whole time for him I did <laughs> for him I did and then when the other band the traditional band started I was just like God damn I give you credit <laughs> I would have walked in and like yep no but you know what? It was interesting. It was whatever. interesting enough to keep to keep me kind of like watching what he was doing, and you've, um, you've always had so much patience. <laughs> <laughs> always. And I'd rather listen to music like that than kind of like four four, you know. Or, That's good. I've kind of gone the opposite way, and now I, all from all that math rock crap yeah. that I used to be into. Now I just want to listen to country and. I, you know, I feel like that was a really natural progression for me too, was to kind of gravitate towards, um, you know, after playing hardcore for so long, was to was to just gravitate towards something that was just earthy. You know what I mean? That just had Easy. some, yeah, yeah, had some basis in reality, <laughs> yeah. rather you know, rather than just kind of like punching a wall over and over and over. Again. Yeah, relentlessly. Yep. And just and then uh, most of it, I was just like, I just don't want to think about it. It sounds really asinine yeah. and, and just kind of the dumbing down of Jay Heasley but I just like I don't want to think about this anymore <laughs> it had been happening for years we knew it, it was coming right right um, so you, you moved to Sarville huh yes any, anywhere in particular like you live on the hill or you live like I live in uh, near Ball Square okay um, and um, yeah it's uh, it's interesting <laughs> it, 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 um, I like what, it what made you drive what made you move there like was it where you just like wanted to get back into the city and be around some interesting shit again well I I, I don't want to bring it up or dwell on it too much but I split with my wife so yeah, okay. um, so I needed a place to be yep um, and Somerville was the price was right um, you know I just from being around in the area I knew that it was uh, walkable I knew that there was enough stuff going on uh, to make it interesting but enough stuff not going on so that it felt like a kind of a neighborhood so it's a cool town for sure yeah yeah it's I, it's quite different from when i what i remember from when i was a kid 
of Somerville. It was quite gritty. Somerville, yeah. I mean, I when I lived there, right as I was leaving is when it started to get cool. Yeah. Like, things started to change. Like, they replaced all the sidewalks, which you think, well, you're like, why is that a, a, a sign of change? But people were really putting an effort in. Like, the, the new mayor like was like, I'm going to turn this town around. Yep. He did a good job. I forget his name now. Curtitoni. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, but like you said about sidewalks and things like that, it's just like that investment in infrastructure that just improves everybody's quality of life makes so. a huge difference just not seeing a cracked sidewalk or tripping over a, right? you know yeah. makes a giant and I don't know why but it just does I can skateboard there <laughs> yeah, I can actually skateboard yeah. so it's like it's really cool, cool. You know? yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I so it's um, um, it's a good move I don't know yeah. if I'm gonna gonna stay there but it's for no. now it's, it's so you're just renting and I didn't buy I'm just renting yeah. correct yeah 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 where do you think you'd move to after that? Like back to the suburbs somewhere? Um, no, I no, I'd probably just just stay in the city. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I just been away for so long. I really yeah. have, you know, for a long, long time. I could so. see going away for whatever fifteen years and then coming back and be like, Oh, I missed some of this. Yeah. But some of the other things, like not so much for the music, and I mean it's 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 absolutely contrary to the way that I've been my entire life. But mm-hmm. I find myself not so like thinking about like oh there's great clubs here oh there's great record stores here that kind of stuff it's like those are really nice and and I can choose those things if I want to but it's not like that mainlining music that I used to <laughs> yeah, do yeah, you yeah. know so um, but there's there's art there's bookstores there's you know even thrift stores and stuff like that, that books I, have become a huge part of your life yeah crazy yeah when did that happen like has uh, it always been like that like, no oh, no no right. no, That's no, my no. Thought. Maybe four years ago, mm-hmm. um, we had um, we had always like ever since these kids were born, we read to them every single night and day. Um, so I was kind of getting my fix of books, and I'd always kind of read, but um, when these kids started reading on their own, they started reading some really interesting things. So mm-hmm. we used to have conversations about books. Um, it just it clicked. It clicked with me after about four years ago, and I started finding books I was interested in reading on my own. You, you know? just seem to read anything. You just like I anything read. that comes around. You're I like, yeah, read I'll, I'll read it. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is so amazing to me. Well, it comes from 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 the 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 quantity of books these kids consumed as as use the the things that we just had to start reading for them, and to see them kind of branch out and read things like. Um, um, they were reading manuals. They were reading really? you know, anything, anything that they could get their hands on. I mean, hmm. if there was, you know, we got a new piece of electronics in the house, they'd pour over the manual and just check it out and, you know, gathering all that up. And I, while they were gathering that information like a sponge, I was kind of seeing them doing it and appreciating what they were doing it. So, um, yeah, I just, I started going to thrift stores and just buying books and, and just, Consuming, consuming. You must have a massive library by now. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's pretty big. <laughs> it's pretty big. It takes up the entire house. It takes up my entire apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, books. Books are um, kind of kind of what I do now. Yeah. What have you learned about maybe yourself, or uh, did you were you missing something that, that you needed to like get into books, like, or was it just like? Definitely, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I think I, I, I mean, this is gonna sound totally hokey, but I needed, right. I needed to get back to um, a sort of an artistic view of the world. Um, 
music really wasn't doing it for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was I was just consuming music, you know, anything. I would listen to anything, and it was kind of like candy, you know? Music, I will say that for me, trying to find, constantly looking for something new music-wise is exhausting. Yeah. Because get, I get disappointed a lot. Yep. I'm like this is definitely not what I expected, yep. or or even a band that I've been a fan of for a long time, and they make something. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> what the fuck happened? Yeah, right, right, exactly. So I can see. I mean, I'm, I get I got burnt out like when I was at Newberry, like in Harvard. I was just, I just wasn't listening to music anymore. Yeah, I was listening to just I was listening to fucking sports radio, just because I didn't want to hear music. Really? Just because I wanted to hear like the just benign. Yeah. Empty the talk. drone. The, just the, yeah, it was like, <laughs> I wasn't even. I didn't even hear what they said most of the time. Yeah. I was just like, rah, 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 you know, yeah. like mop, like fucking uh, like peanuts. Yep. Um, that, well, so did, did so books filled that sort of. They they continue to. Okay. Um, I just think that um, w- with music, you kind of you know you choose a genre or you're listening to a particular type of music at that time, and that's what you get. And when you're reading a book, um, it, it can go anywhere and generally does. Like you can go in, in any, any compass direction at all in this book. Um, um, and I think that's, that's what's so attractive to me is just it, it really – music kind of made me feel sedentary. Like I was just sitting there enjoying it and consuming it. And books make me feel like I'm stretching out, like I'm moving into different parts of – you know, wherever the author wanted to take me. Hmm. So, um, what do you think the difference is there? I would say, I would say it's probably just my perception of it because music used to take me to places. It used to bring me all over the world, and I mean, physically sure, and yeah. and you know, spiritually, um, you know, take me different places. But once that's, I stopped physically moving with music. It felt like I kind of spiritually stopped mu- moving with hmm. music as well. Crazy. Um, and books are super portable. They're super easy <laughs> to, you know, I got a couple in my bag right now just, yeah. you know, for in case I have 10 minutes downtime, you know. Because there was definitely a time I remember, like, when you weren't playing, like, back in, like, maybe the 90s yep. or, or 2000s. I'm not exactly sure. But yep. you were still, like, consuming music, like, more oh. than anybody I think I knew. Yeah. You know, and I, and we didn't really speak that often. We, you know, spoke here and there. Yeah. Uh, but you were just constantly... Like reggae, especially, yeah. you know, you and the Beach Boys, obviously. Yeah. But like, yeah. just you were constantly saying, like, "Oh, I found this, I found this, I found this." I'm like, "Where are you finding it? <laughs> Where the hell are you find the time to listen to it?" Because yeah. I, I like, I listen to one record. And I'm like, "All right, now what?" And I'm like, moving on to like whatever yeah. gardening, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> now. Yeah, I, you know, um, when that's what when that's what you do, you you find a way. You find a way to, to find it. You find a way to procure it. You find a way to consume it. Um, and but I think that that kind of voracious appetite, appetite towards the consumption of it, the consumption of it, kind of lent, uh, uh, caused my utter kind of crash. Burnout. Yeah. 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 I love music. I hear music and everything, even in books. You know what I mean? It's like it still kind of runs runs through me, but. Um, you know, I don't go and buy CDs and, you know, I put on music as kind of like background, you know, that kind of stuff. When you're reading. Yeah, when I'm I'm reading. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. So that's, that's, music just, I mean, uh, you know, books has 
reading has helped me appreciate and kind of cultivate a bit more of an artistic view of the world. More well-rounded, I would guess, maybe, right? Um... I guess so. Just because I think I think I just think differently now. Now that I've started, you definitely reading. seem to. Like I mean, I mean, not that, again, not that we speak that often, but just seeing you on the internet, you definitely think it's a different mark than I knew. Yeah. Which is gr- and great, good, and bad. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, where's the mark? Where's the mark that I knew? I now, but now I'm like, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are happy that that mark is gone, <laughs> which really? is to- which is fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. Um, but like, I write poetry now and things like that. You know, yeah. I, I just I, I'm. I look at things just totally differently. And I'm sure there are numerous people that may have not expected that from you. Well, judging from, you know, where I came from, I wouldn't expect it from me either, you know, like kind of a blue-collar upbringing and playing in a hardcore band and working in a record store and stuff. You know, there's there's a certain um, uh, style of person that comes out of that, you know, and people don't tend to have huge sea changes in their life that are artistically like that mm-hmm. in general. Uh, so it feels very strange to um, kind of be in the in the midst of that right now. It's cool. But good. Yeah, yeah it, I mean, it's, it's great. It's, it's inspiring, I think, in a lot of ways. Thank you. you know? Thank you. It's, uh, so, when did you, I mean, you said you were in a practice space five years ago. Uh, what were you doing there? Was it... I was practicing with Slapshot. Okay, I was. Were you going yeah. on tour? No, no, I couldn't. I couldn't do any um, any gigs, but I was filling in. Um, they were they they were having uh, sort of drummers in flux, so Choke would call me up and say, "Hey, you know, we have this gig down in Philly. Can you fill in?" And I'd be like, "Sure, it's a Saturday or you know a Sunday, no big deal." So cool. Um, so I, I you know. I was still feeling okay about playing every once in a while. Um, still totally friends with those guys, all that stuff, and yeah. you know more so now than probably when we were closely involved. Um, so, yeah, just I got together, played played the songs that I knew, learned a couple new songs, mm-hmm. went out, played the occasional gig, and um, yeah, I found that I was I was much more nervous doing it now than I was back then. Really? Yeah, things are way different. Way Why is different that? now. Um, uh, I, I guess when you're just immersed in it, it seems normal. It's just, oh, well, we just play gigs. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. And when you just kind of take a step back and then are thrust into it again, into a scene that you don't really understand any longer, um, you know, you don't know anybody anymore, that kind of stuff. You Has tend- it changed a lot? Uh, um, I think it's I, I've changed a lot. Sure. Um, it seems very much the same, <laughs> um, but I, I don't relate as well to it as I used to. Yeah. I'm certainly not as young as I used to be, so you know I think that adds a little bit to it. Um, but um, yeah, it was weird. It was weird playing. Uh, you know, e- each little gig that we would do, it was very strange to kind of get back into it. And now you're like, I'm done. You're done. I'm done. Wow. I'm done. <laughs> what what, did, what brought that decision on? When were you finally like, okay? I'm just I just don't enjoy this anymore or is it well it was it, it was that last gig that we played which was probably four or five years ago um, down in Philadelphia we went down for this big festival and um, I felt to- I was lost I was just literally lost I you know I met a guy scary. it was scary yeah, yeah it was scary yeah and, and I mean we were playing with bands like Negative Approach and you know bands that were very familiar to me yeah um, but to, to see those guys still doing it was was like just remarkable you know um but i felt so out of place um and um my drumming prowess was not what it used to be 
Um, I have a lot of pain when I play now, so I don't. I, te- I try not to do it. So once I, I, I ended up at the hospital after that gig because I, I injured my shoulder. So I, was, I just I said that was that Rotator was it. Cuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just worn out. Yeah, just done. Yeah, just done. So um, it still hurts to this day. So there's there's not a heck of a lot that can be done other than surgery or whatever. Yeah. But um, so no more no more no music. More, no more. No. And you don't miss it. No, I don't. I really don't. Um, I've gone to the occasional odd show mm-hmm. um, and just to kind of see if I I missed it or had that kind of misty feeling of you know going into a you know some <laughs> cavernous club and seeing yeah. some you know something that uh, I used to enjoy and I'm okay with uh, just letting everybody else have the good time at this good. point yeah yeah <laughs> it is a, a a big moment when and I, I think I'm getting close I haven't had the career that you've had I mean I've had like you know this whatever kind of on again off again music thing like I've taken five or six years off yeah. and played and then now, I'm, but I think I'm just bored. I don't know if I'm bored or just sick and tired of dealing with. And I'm sure that when you were on the road and when you were doing the stuff, you went on tour for how many days did you do at a time? Well, we would go. Um, a European tour was usually 14, 16 days, sometimes as long as a month, a month and a half. When's the last time you did that? Um. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. 10, 15 years maybe. I think I probably remember that. When you went to do that. Uh, you, uh, yeah, right. It was it was kind of a big deal, you yeah. know? I mean, it really was um um you know, they treat they take it very seriously over there. So it was always a a real uh, event when you went over there. And, and you know, we met some people that in 1999, 1991 the first time we went over that I'm still friends with to this day. So um, so it's a testament to, um, you know, the involvement that um, that they have over there. They take things very seriously, and it's a movement, and it's really um, – it's family, you yeah, know? Yeah, um, I think unlike it is here, you, you definitely have lifelong friends and things, but, um, you know, people like myself, you know, filter in and out of the Move scene. in and, and out of – yeah. You know, I totally get that. There's yep. people that I don't see at all. Right. But then there's people that I see, like, every other week yep. that I've been friends with, you know, from – you know, Newberry. Yeah. Well, that metal night and I went my to. Wife. Yeah, right, right. That metal night I went to the other night, I saw probably five people that I've known for in excess of twenty years. And they're they're still going. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and performing as well. You know, even <laughs> to, still, to, to this day. So God bless them. But uh, um, no, I just I, I. It's not my thing anymore. So. Hmm. Yeah. It's painful. It's painful too. It's physically painful. So uh, you know. Why would I want to keep doing it? Well, yeah, I mean, if it's physically painful, for sure. Yeah, like, <laughs> there are things that I don't do anymore because, and I shouldn't do anymore. But, um, so would you ever think of doing something else that maybe would be more in line with what you want to do? I mean, if there is anything left in like the music proverbial music tank, I guess. I I don't think there is. No. Um, I, I I the things I think about now are. Um, like publishing, like writing books and publishing, and um, I don't know what that world looks like. You know, mm-hmm. it's probably not as exciting as making a bunch of noise and making people's ears ring and I that think kind it of is stuff. Exciting. But oh, oh, it's very exciting to to me, but um, n- not in the same way. Like you know, if I'm on a uh, 
a, a book tour, uh, I'm not suffering the same uh, same things as I think no, I'd be suffering no, no. Uh, on a, on a music tour. So, but I think it would be good just to see the dichotomy between the two and be like, oh, I can still have a great time and and not be around this, like you said, cacophony, loud, just intense movement all right. the time. Right. Like I know, I, um, I know a guy, uh, Mike Mike Fournier. Oh yeah, yeah. He's on a book tour right now. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. He was in like Detroit. He might be back by now, yeah. but um, he loves it. And he and his wife go out, and they have a ball. Like going to all these towns, like people that they know in Detroit, yeah. Kentucky, or like Louisville. And like some of the best people they met, and like some of the best towns they do, you know. And it's all about in, like I said, in in difference to the other. It's like the loud, fast-paced world, whereas. They they know they can go to these towns and and see these people and they're doing something important to them. Yep. And other people see the value in it, and that's all that matters, right? Oh, I think so. I, absolutely. Um. And and speaking of Mike, I mean, he's he writes like a rocker. You know what I mean? Like his style is. Um, I hate to use the word edgy, but it's the only word that's coming up in my mind. You know, he just he has this edgy style that's very. Um, um, uh, it feels like rock, you know, and yeah, and and he's even written about rock. So and, it's, and he still kind of lives that lifestyle right. in some ways, right? You know, he still holds on to it. I mean, he definitely has another life where he lives on the Cape and, and teaches school, teaches like online classes from home, but still like writes for Razor Cake and, mm-hmm. and does the podcast for them too. Yep. So yeah, he's a great guy. So so you say you you grew up blue collar. Where 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 did you grow up? I grew up in Malden. Um, which is about five miles north of Boston. Um, you know, definitely tree-lined streets and all that stuff, but um, uh, at that point, it was far enough away from Boston to kind of be insular, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there was, you know, you had to take two buses to get to get to the train to take it into Boston. So, um, you know, a lot of people just tended to just grow up there, work there, and die there. So, um, you know, I was part of that generation that, the train finally made it. The the T finally made it into Boston. So, you know, we were buying tokens on, by the score, just trying to get out. Where um, were you going? We were going into Boston to go up to um, anywhere. We would go to the aquarium. We would go to um, just walk around the North End, um, just to see something that was different. You know, um, there, at that point, you know, I was still young in my teens, so there wasn't. I mean, there was a lot of rock music going on, but I hadn't discovered it at that point. You know, yeah. I didn't. I didn't discover clubs until probably 1980, and then we would take the train to go to the clubs. You know, when what clubs they were, were you going to? Um, primarily, we'd go to the Channel. They yeah. were having um, um, Sunday matinees where you would have local bands and sometimes big bands and, and things like that. So, um, you know, you would find a um, a single by a band called Boys Life in Malden Square because they were from Malden and you go oh what the heck is this you know and it was put out by Modern Method Records and you're like well that's on Newbury Street where the heck is that so the layers started to just kind of unfold Um, so you'd take a train ride a little bit farther each time Mm -hmm. and then you know eventually once we got to that stage where we could see the bands it was pretty much all over so I went you were like how old were you when you when you started going to shows like were you going before you were 18, like 17? Yeah, 17. 17. Like, was it like a lot of hardcore punk shows or was, was it more like 80s kind of 
you know, skinny tie rock or it was definitely it started out as skinny tie stuff. Yeah. Um, there was there was a, in in the town where I grew up there was there was a few kind of like mod revival bands, mm-hmm. um, and so um, and I knew the I went to high school with the guys, so they were like, hey, we're playing this gig, so yeah. you'd go there and. You'd see a band like uh, The Outlets, or you'd see a band like um, Mission of Burma. Damn. Uh, Mission of Burma was one of those bands. That when, when, when I finally saw them at a Sunday matinee at the channel, I took a step to the right. That was that was um, that was a, one of those sea change moments. You they know? were definitely out of the norm, especially even for Boston. Oh yeah. You know, yep. like, I, like the closest band I can think of is like Volcano Sons or something yep. like that. And no other bands like that for for a long time. They were definitely, uh, at least in this area. Absolutely, yeah. There, there was a there was a, a, a you know a finding out about the sort of art rock bands that existed back then that didn't get any recognition. Um, there were a few things happening, but you know they didn't record much more than a demo or anything. So and then just disappeared. It disappeared, right? Exactly, exactly. So, but but Mission of Burma definitely. Um, I mean, they had the music, they had the package, they had the records that were out there, so you could find them and and buy them and mm-hmm. enjoy them at home. Um, Who were they on originally? Were they? Oh, they weren't always on Ryko. Obviously, they got reissued. On yeah, that was right? the reissue stuff. Yeah. It was Ace of Hearts. Um, Ace of Hearts. Yeah, huh. yeah, that had, you know started managing them and putting out their stuff and um so were they a production company like were like a management company or oh, Ace of Hearts was um um was one guy this guy named Rick Hart um who's still still around um still putting stuff out um he's meticulous in what he puts out in that it has to be you know to his specification as far as quality uh, imagery, everything, like all his packages were just so well done and mm. uh, interesting and uh, artistic and all that good stuff. Um, so when you found an Ace of Hearts record, you knew it was probably going to be something pretty special. What else did he put out? Do you remember anything else that he was... Uh, the Neighborhoods was another... Okay. He put out a single for The Neighborhoods um, that was huge in young Mark McKay's life. <laughs> really, really something special. Um, right around that same era, too. Um, I, I don't recall what else he'd done, but I mean, he has a vast, vast catalog of stuff. Hmm. Um, yeah, really, really something special back then. You know, that label uh, loyalty that, you know, some people have, like like I had with Discord and... I had uh, that with Touch and Go. Yeah, right, exactly. You just, you just assumed anything they put out was going to be great. Yep. So you just buy it. Right. Sight exactly. unseen. Like, you just like, oh. Or sight unheard, I guess. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds unheard, sight uh, unseen. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, totally. Uh, so what bands, I mean, when did you start playing? I mean, did you play, did you, did you just start drums right away or, you know. Did you just like fall on a snare and was like, oh, cool, I like that. That makes a sound. Or, like, <laughs> what happened? I was, I, uh, kids I went to high school with, um, were forming a hardcore band because it was the thing That's to do. Did. Yeah, it was the thing to do, right? Exactly. <laughs> so they did, and um, um, I I wasn't playing drums at all. I helped them kind of book some shows and things like that, and yep. we just hung out, you know. Uh, and I was always drumming on my lap and things like that. So um, they, um, the drummer parted ways. I don't remember the scenario, but he left, and they were like, you should play drums. And I said, I don't know how to play drums. So... <laughs> Um, you know, they just kind of 
dissolved at that point because I, I just I didn't know how to play drums. So, but this the guitarist who was in the band and I just kind of stuck stuck it out. And he said, "Really, let's go get a set of drums for you." Mm. Uh, and I said, "Oh, okay." So I, I, we literally like walked down to a music store one day after school and bought a drum set. I didn't know how to play or anything, so. What was it? Was it Tama? It Tama, swing star kid, or right. a superstar, <laughs> something like that. Uh, so just put it, set it up in my bedroom, and said, "Okay, time to figure out how to how to play this," you know, because we really wanted to start a band. We really wanted to start a band, and I said, "Well, drummers are few and far between, so Absolutely. so um, you know, I." I, I might be able to keep it together, so we'll see what happens. You know, small investment. Uh, no big deal if it failed, you know. It was mm-hmm. just a, you tried and you failed, whatever. <laughs> um, so I picked it up pretty quick. Um, and um, he, he and I started this band, this band with a friend of ours. And it was this kind of like surf punk band. It just went nowhere. Um, <laughs> and both, both Steve and I... Um, decided that we were just going to kind of strike out on our own because I was getting a little better. He was getting a little bit better. He played guitar. Um, so we moved all our stuff out and got a practice space. And he had been talking to um, uh, Choke, who I didn't know at the time, um, and saying, you got to come down. we got to start this band. And Choke was like, no way. I, I'm done with bands. What was he doing at this point? <clears throat> he wasn't doing anything musically. No. No, he had done negative effects. He had mm-hmm. done last rites. Um, you know, he had lived through all the early days of Boston hardcore. So, you know, he was done as well. Mm. He was still still had songs in the can, but he just he wasn't doing anything. Um, so we eventually uh, agreed that we would get a he would come to the practice space and and we would hang out a little bit. And um, Steve and Choke and I that was the. He choked, came down to our rehearsal space one night, and that was when we started Slapshot. Damn. Yeah. He goes, oh, I, I have three songs. Maybe we can just try to play them, you know? And he picked up a bass and tried to play the songs. And, you know, we, I think we wrote three three of the songs they probably still play now yeah. that, that night. So. Wow. <laughs> Inauspicious beginning. Well, that was going to say. It was just like, all right, now we're Slapshot. <laughs> absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. You know, it just, it, it, it was born of kind of um, there was a real kind of vacuum or so we thought in the Boston hardcore scene mm-hmm. a lot of the original bands had kind of just called it quits what uh, year was this? this was 1985 yeah we started in uh, I think September of 1985 yeah I guess there wasn't a lot of ba- a lot of hardcore bands around then no SSD had called it quits yeah. and Jerry's Kids no, they weren't playing anymore mm-hmm. you know um, I don't remember like a real resurgence in le- from my standpoint until like the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, like early to mid-90s. Yeah. And that's when I quit. <laughs> <laughs> that is when I quit. I really? quit in 1991. I just couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. Couldn't take the touring, couldn't take the... The touring was great, but but the band, um, the band, the direction of the band was changing, the sound of the band was changing. Oh, yeah. Um, we had uh, kicked Steve out to... Um, just thinking that it would be um, that someone else who was better suited would or better performer would help the band in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Steve seemed like he was growing apart from it as well. So, yeah, it was just one of those you know poor decisions. You know, because Steve was like the heartbeat of the band. So, you know, once you kind of get rid of that, it's it's yeah. essentially over. Right. You know, you know just, just call it. Yeah, right, exactly. And we didn't, and that was the that was the big mistake. So did it so when you when you left in ninety one, 
it continued. They did, yeah. They made a couple more records. Um, um, they went in this kind of like heavy rock almost. I remember this. Yeah. yeah. I, I call it industrial, some of the stuff they played, because they were looking for samples and sounds and things like that. And I don't know. They were just thinking outside the box, you know? Well, it's good to try to change. I agree. Might not always work. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But you yeah. try. It wasn't my style of stuff, you know? No, so, no. Um, so I was happy to kind of not be part of it. So were you Did you were you playing any other bands at the time, or were you, were you just like... Nope. You were just like, all right. That was it. That's it. Yeah. And then how long did that go on for? About four years. Yeah. Yeah, about four years. And then they were looking to kind of... Um, Kind of get back to the roots of things. Um, you guys are going to play Roots Rock. Yeah, right. <laughs> just all band covers, all band covers, just like a band tribute. Credence. Yeah, and right. Cross Grade Divide was going to be the. They were looking to get back to the hardcore roots. I should have clarified. <laughs> oh, hardcore shit. roots. Um, Black Crows and shit. So they actually reached out to me and just asked me to kind of come jam with them again. And um, the time was right. I was, you know, I kind of missed them as friends because we hadn't spoken in all that time. Mm. Um, so were you, were you playing like at all, like just on your own? Or nope. you, no, no. As a matter of fact, they had my drums because uh, <laughs> when I left, I just left everything and, and uh, the drums just went missing. And so I didn't have a drum set or anything at that point, you know. <laughs> so how was that tough to get back behind it and just try to pick it up again? No. Just the instrument? It was no, easy? No, no it, was, it was very easy. My style was very simple. Um, I was not a, uh, I had to get back that kind of... Um, the speed that I was playing with How because the endurance. Well, that yeah, that was that was a little bit of an issue as well. Um, but that was kind of what I did. You know what I mean? I wasn't a great drummer, but I could play fast and for a long time. So in that respect, it was it was kind of easy to kind of just build that back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it was a lot of fun too because yeah. when they asked me to come back, I was like, you know, what are you guys doing now? You know, <laughs> you know, what kind of stuff are you doing? Right. And it was faster and it was more like, um, like the old stuff. The lyrical content was actually a little bit, um, less simplistic too. He had kind of, uh, looked, looked inward a little bit, um, to, mm-hmm. uh, kind of get some of his issues out there and things like that. Personal politics, um, we call it. So it was, it was, um, yeah, it was perfect. It was great to see the guys again. We took a nice break. Uh, music was good. Um, I found that I could actually still do it. And uh, so, yeah, we just took off. Great. Yeah. And that's when you started going into Europe? and. Yeah, again, we pretty heavily at that point, too. We recorded two two records, uh, 16 Valve Hate, which was... was that's, a huge, real, that's a big one. Yeah, it was, was pretty thunderous. I really enjoyed that. And then Old Time Hardcore, which is probably my favorite to this day. Yeah. Which was just relentless. It was All like, on it, Tang. Yeah. Yes, that's right. It was super fun. It was just super fun again. Uh, and then we were going to Europe and people were had kind of rediscovered the band. So they were excited about it. So the shows were big. The tours were fun. Uh, we had buses instead of uh, instead of nice. a van. It was very nice. Yeah, it was very yeah, nice. Yeah, what's that like? So when you were, you were touring in like a... GMC Duravan 300 in the 80s or whatever, and yeah. then you go to Europe and you're in a gigantic sleeper bus. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it's that's, much better. That's nice. <laughs> it's it's conducive to getting rest. I mean, that would be nice now. Yeah, yeah. It, you, you get rest. 
Um, you know, you get to hang out after the gig and the bus leaves at three in the morning and the next morning at nine o'clock you're in the next town. And you don't have to think about anything. You, you don't have to think about it. So you wake up and it's breakfast nice. is there and, you know, it's... Wow. Yeah. So we were actually writing songs on the road. We were meeting people, enjoying ourselves. Um, so, the, I mean, just the right mentality makes for obviously a better environment and less fights i guess yeah, absolutely yeah absolutely because you've got a you've got a space you've got a bunk and the rule was if the if you're in your bunk and the curtains open anything goes if the curtain is closed in your bunk shut up don't touch that person they're in there for a reason so um so that was you know i mean it's like being in a little coffin but it's mm-hmm. uh it's like sleeping in a ampeg you know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's still it's your space right so and that was what was missing you know prior to that was you know, being shoulder to shoulder with these guys for 16 hours, you know, traveling from like Nebraska to wherever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I couldn't. I don't think I could have done that then. Even now, I couldn't do it, especially now. But it was it was still exciting at that point because you didn't even know where you were going. You know, there was no GPS. There was you know. Yeah. It's like you got a map book and you miss a turn and you don't know where the hell you are. Damn. Yeah. No cell phones. No nothing. So yeah. You, and hopefully when you show up in a town, there's a gig for you, you know, the so contract. You didn't, you didn't have, you didn't book, you didn't have a tour booked. You had like some dates? No, there was tour, there was, there was dates booked, but you know, like one time we got to Chicago and um, the promoter who, the kid who promoted the show mm-hmm. uh, had sold a bunch of advance tickets and thought that that was good for him and just kind of never showed up. <laughs> so they booked this, another band at the club that night. And so we showed up and they were like, uh, we don't even know who you are. Yeah, be here. <laughs> yeah right. Exactly. So, um, so, you know, you lose that money, you lose that time. Um, that lose that patience. I, yeah. It was a little frustrating. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Things like that. Cause you get, you get amped up and you've driven 10 hours and you that's know, the payoff. I'm guessing when you get there, like I, if, the, if there's no payoff, you're like, what the hell, what, what right. did I do all this crap for? Right. And it must be very frustrating. And, yep. uh, yeah, because we needed to play those gigs. I mean, we really wanted to play those gigs. You know, you don't go on tour because, you know, the band was not a full-time job for us. It was part-time. We were having fun. Um, so when you book a tour, it's because you really want to go out on tour. You know, yeah. you're just dying to play. And you need to get that aggression out, you know. And and when you show up and it's kind of like, oh, we're in downtown Chicago and there's nothing to do. And we're not getting paid and we don't have any place to stay. You know, because we're relying on people's floors, floors and stuff like that. At yeah. that point, you know. So, what were you doing otherwise? Uh, like you said, this is, wasn't your full time gig. Um, most of the time, I was working at Newberry. Yeah. Yeah, and it was still kind of flexible there. They were still like, "Oh, you're going on tour with your band? That's totally cool. Yeah, come back in three weeks and see us." You know. <laughs> so it was. You know, there was. I wonder it, if that's still the mentality there. Um. I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't think we should speculate, though. No, no, no. <laughs> I think we should just leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, worshippers out on tour right now. So, I mean. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just thinking. Oh, I wonder if. I wonder if he's gonna go back and. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> he shouldn't. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> uh, anyway. So Newberry was a big part. I mean, Newberry was a big part of our, your lives for all of us, including Eric. Yep. We all worked at Newberry. Um, 
did you just need a job? Like, I mean, I just went there because it was a cool place to work. And you were working at the store. You're the one, you're the one, you interviewed me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm doing to you now. <laughs> but about far more important things. <laughs> well, I, um, I was working <clears throat> at, um, at a law firm. Um, oh shit, really? Yeah. What are you doing? Holy crap. So I talked to Corey Prince. He went to pre, he went to pre-law. I never know he 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 went to pre law at UMass Amherst. Really? Is that something you never knew? About I Corey never Prince? knew that about Not, Corey. Yeah, <laughs> went to pre law at UMass Amherst. Wow. Like his dad was a lawyer in Maine, and he was kind of like pushed a little bit that way. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's crazy, right? That you know, it's funny because I could see him doing that, but given his sort of um, the his artistic. You know the way the way he lives his life. Yeah, I, I can't see him doing that. I think that's time. pretty much what he says. Yeah. he's like, I just it just wasn't. Yeah. I wanted to do something else yeah. that was going to be more fulfilling, more or less. But anyway, I was I had just gone from job to job, um, and uh, actually uh, Al from SSD's wife Nancy was working at a law firm, so I was talking to her, and she says, "Oh, they're looking for somebody who's just kind of like to help manage the office and mm-hmm. do deliveries and things like that." I was like, "Oh yeah, cool." So I went and interviewed there and. Um, I was, you know, still as a customer of Newbury Comics and, you know, hanging out at Newbury Street all the time. And uh, Richie, Richie Parsons just, he said, oh, you know, we're looking for somebody to work some nights, you know, why don't you come by? So, you know, I put on a Fred Perry shirt or something to look <laughs> presentable. And I went by and uh, Richie starts showing me around the store and gives me a name tag. And I was like, uh, oh, my work. Uh, I, goes, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I thought you knew you were starting work tonight. I was like, uh oh, okay. So. And that was led to how long there? <laughs> 20 plus years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Just well, ridiculous. I was there for 14 years. Yeah. So. And there's still people there. Yeah. Who have been longer than both of us put together, probably. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's a, it's a, hmm. it was a great place and we knew, we knew for, for, a while. Oh yeah, no, I I enjoyed the majority of my time. Yep. And I wouldn't know this guy. I wouldn't know you, obviously. Um, so that's something that I think comes up a lot in this podcast. Yeah, those connections that are that are made and and still there. And everyone says the same thing. Every single person says, uh, "I met I met some of the best best people in my life there." Yep. Some of them I'm still in contact with. Yep, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, it was, you know, the great unifier is music, you know? It's like everybody comes together and uh, those conversations happen, whether you are in disagreement of somebody's musical taste or if you love somebody's musical taste, you still have got that sort of, um, uh, that heartbeat with them, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, um, you know, back then it was all about music, so... What better place? And they were totally flexible. You can listen to music. You can get music. Um, go play music. Yeah, it's all and like you know they let me go for months. You know, yeah, just going out and playing gigs. And so, how long was the second incarnation of you with with Slapshot? I think I stayed for another ten years. Damn. After that, yeah. So it was a. It was a. That's a good era. Yeah. Longer than the first. Yes. Wow. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So you're pretty happy. Yeah, things yeah. were going great. Things yeah. were going great. Um, but, um, I, like I said, it started to get more painful to play. Um, you know, I have a family at that point, too. Mm-hmm. You know, i got two kids, so it's harder to get on a plane and go away for, 
three weeks knowing that your infant daughters are, you know, home. Wrecking stuff. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> so it just, it, it started to get taxing and, and be too much. Um, and, you know, the, the thing to do as an adult is to defer to the adult in you. Hmm. you know? What's that like? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a little crazy. <laughs> it's a little crazy. If you can find a medium and, and, and do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, that's ideal. Um, you know, I, I hope to get to that point at some point. But not not perform music, but right. like be able to to juggle all the responsibilities and all the um, um, fun things that I like to do and all the things that I think are uh, worth pursuing. I mean, I, I'm curious because, I, I mean, I, you're very well respected as a drummer and you were very well respected in that band. And I think that, I think it's strange that you never played in any any other bands. Like, did you ever go and play in any other bands during the, the time you were with Slapshot? Did they, anybody ever, like, come after you and be like, hey, I'm doing this thing. You'd be great for it. Yeah, I had a, I had a couple people ask. Um, I, I thank you for the kind words, by of the course. way. I appreciate that. Um, um, but I, I, I was a little bit uh, hesitant to do anything other than Slapshot just because I wasn't sure of my abilities. I was I was not confident of my abilities to play anything other than straight up hardcore. You know, um, I didn't want to play rock music per se. You know, because yeah. that just seemed a little bit. Um, I don't want to say a step back, but it was just. Yeah, it was like a step back. Sure. You know, I, I had kind of moved away from rock music to, mm-hmm. to find punk and hardcore. So yeah. um, I just didn't have much interest in that, you know. Um, I did want to um, kind of play brush snare in a country band at one point, you know, mm-hmm. just so just for something completely different because it's something I love to listen to. But, you know, again, I, I didn't even think I had what it took to do something like that. So I'm sure you do. Well, maybe now, you know, maybe yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. knowing now. What I know, but, um, you know, back then it was just, it, it was so radical. I mean, even brushes on a snare was totally radical to what I was doing. So, um, just, yeah. Yeah. That was not high in confidence in my abilities, uh, on the drums. That's crazy. Yeah. Never would have guessed that. Still not. I hmm. mean, it's not, I don't consider myself a drummer. I was, I was a drummer in a band, you know? Yeah. And just. Just out of necessity, you think? It started definitely yeah. that way. I never considered myself as a virtuoso or anything like that. You know, I I rarely practiced. Yeah. Um, uh, Do you have your kit still today? Nope. Nope. It's just nope gone. And, and <laughs> it's just gone. It's just gone. Yeah, it's gone. And I gave away all my sticks to a friend who was starting to play drums, and you know, it's just you know. It, Makes me sad. Well, it, the thing is, I could walk over there and start playing right now. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not. I, it's not like um, it's it, it's something that I don't take with me. You know, still, it's I still have the muscle memory and the brain memory and all that stuff on, on how to do it. But there's that kind of roadblock of why would I want to? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, and they. That's a question for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why would I want to? Yeah. Because if you if you enjoyed, I mean, did you enjoy it when you were doing it? Like, I when did. you were in it, I did. But yeah. for for way different reasons than you think. Like not not because I felt like I was doing a great job on the drums or I was bringing something fantastic to the band, but mm-hmm. because 
you know, sometimes Slapshot's message was pretty twisted, but most of the time what we wanted to do was just take that message, even if it was just a message of like, we are going to blow your minds with this aggression of this band and take that to somebody and have somebody say, yes, you blew my mind with the aggression of that band. That was perfect for me. I just wanted to go meet people, to get my aggressions out and to bring that to the scene, quote unquote, (laughs) the scene. Because that's what the scene was to me, was about the ultra violence and the smacking things as hard as you can and kicking them over when you need to. And then talking about it and, you know, meeting people and just kind of like maintaining this pulsing heart that was the scene. Mm. Um, you know, as far as the instrument goes, I... It was just a... Just a vehicle. It, yeah. It was my vehicle to get into the scene. Yeah. Would you would, it, would you have ever considered to play anything else other than drums or was it just... Um, like you said, it was necessity more or less, right? But yeah. Would you... Did, would you ever pick up a guitar or maybe even like anything? A melodica? No, I don't Accordion. think so. I don't think so. <laughs> no? no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I just, I, I did it for so long. I, mean, I keep looking over at the drums. I'm like, that's a nice kit. That's a pretty nice kit. <laughs> it's a pretty nice and kit. it's very simple. <laughs> right. That, I think it's the simplicity that's I, like, attracted me to it. I don't even think he plays with the floor. Isn't it? I don't, I, he might sometimes. Um, but yeah, I don't think he plays with the floor. That's time. great. It, yeah, it is. That's, Gold Muse. Uh, I forget his name. Um, but he's been in a bunch of bands around town, a lot a lot of math rock yeah. bands and stuff like that. So uh, great drummer from what I uh, from what I understand. Yeah. So never wanted to pick anything else up. That's I mean, any any musician that I know, or most musicians that I know, probably around like fifteen, twenty years of playing, they start like thinking like, I could probably play drums. Or you know, if they're a guitar player, mm-hmm. like, I could probably play drums. Like I did it. I played drums. I sat behind a kit and hit shit. Yeah. Uh, was I ever a drummer? No. Was I ever good? No. But but you know what? The mere fact that you sat behind the drums and hit stuff makes you a drummer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really does. It's like, to me, again, it's not about, for, for me personally, it was not about prowess. It was not about virtuosity. It was about hitting the things and just making noise and doing your part. You know, and if you're doing your part, then that's you on that instrument. You're a drummer. Mm. You're a guitarist. You're a singer. If you're singing, you know. Yep. Mm. I mean, that's another thing that I think may, might surprise some people, and it surprises me in some ways. I mean, I've known you for a long time, but like, aggressive is not a word that I use. It's synonymous with part. <laughs> you know, but obviously, you everyone saw you up there. You know, hitting those things yeah. as hard as you could, yeah. as fast as you could. Yeah. So it was there, but this Mark McKay, or the one that I knew 15, 20 years ago, or how long it's been, has always been even keel, relatively calm, soft spoken. So it's a cool dichotomy, I think, in a lot of ways. And yeah, I, I you just I, don't expect it. I, I, I definitely I see it. I, I, I understand that definitely, but at the time it really felt like. It was very natural, you know, for mm-hmm. soft-spoken Mark McKay to be that guy at the same time, you know. Um, I had a lot of fun doing it, too. You know, I think rather than kind of like beating, beating the things to death um, was a lot of fun as well, um, as well as kind of getting that aggression out. So it was really um, – it was the whole picture. It really was the whole thing. Um, 
Yeah, it's a cool little kit. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I don't want to go over and play that. Yeah, no, I mean, no, we, no we, I'm, we kidding. Can, I'm kidding. We've thought about doing like live stuff. Um, our, another friend, our friend Eric Downing, who also worked for Newberry, he worked, he worked yeah. in Natick. I'm, you probably might remember him. Some, uh, but he does acoustic stuff, and so we were thinking maybe he'd come on and play acoustic. Cool. We might figure out how to do electric someday. I need to buy like a, you know, one of those mixers or one of some shit. So, I mean, you left it all behind. So how, how much time do you put aside to write and read? And um, Is it just like you just, it just comes out when it does or is it? No, I write every day. Yeah. Um, I publish a little poem every day on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I read every day, usually on my lunch break. I usually read at night before I go to sleep. Um, yeah, whenever whenever I can slide some time in. Um, the last few years I was consuming much, much more than I, I have been this year. Um, so, you know, whenever TV time was, it was, you know, that was my time to read. Just so, reading. Yeah, just, just reading. Um, but it's, but I'm, I'm switching over, I think, this year much more from reading to writing. I'm getting more involved in... Um, documenting what's kind of coming out mm-hmm. and you said mostly poetry yeah it's it's it started out being stories mm-hmm. and i found that it was much harder to write a full story because i committed to writing a story every single day yes um so um it was much harder to come out with a uh, a full-blown story that reads like a story like i got up and went to the store and then i did this thing and and, and it's it, it sort of morphed into these um little kind of snapshot Vignettes of just thoughts, just thoughts, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And sometimes they're just not grammatically correct, and you know all that stuff. But um, that's what's great about poetry. Yeah, I th- I, but I think that's I think that's I, I'm not hesitant to call it poetry anymore. Yeah, that's um, cool. So, um, yeah. So you're gonna compile these at some point, or is yeah, that what you're doing right now. No, well, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm I've been doing it for almost two years now. So I was going to compile it into volume of per year. Mm-hmm. Um, see if anybody's interested in in that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I thought it'd be fun to post them on Instagram because, you know, Instagram is a bit more, f- it, it's photographs, you know, yeah. people post photographs on there. But ever since I started posting on Instagram, I found there's tons of people who post stories and poems and things like that on there mm-hmm. as well. So, um, so there's really, really cool community that I have on there too yeah I think um, it is interesting that being as Instagram is predominantly photos to right. have someone who's just doing text right is different yeah and honestly I mean I don't I don't follow I mean I follow you but that's about it like I don't uh, I don't think I have the the attention span or the like the sometimes to read a lot of things and I'm not a reader and that's another thing that I respect i'm like how how can you read so much that my attention span just is zero <laughs> i just can't do it like i have books that i've read yeah but reading i mean how many books a week how many books a year are you reading now i had um i, I started documenting it on this this um this website called goodreads um and um that's a whole online community of you know readers and writers and all that stuff but i just used it because it had a feature where you could um, document what you're reading 
it helped you to keep track of your pages as long as you entered. So, uh, you know, invariably it'd be in the bottom of my bag and my bookmark would fall out and I'd go, I don't even know where I am. Uh, and I'd look on Goodreads and say, oh, you're on two page 273. Huh. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Um, so they have this reading challenge. So every year you put in, I want to read 50 books and it documents it and goes and, um, you know, ticks it off and gives you how many pages you've read. You know, it's just kind of exhaustive. Um, so I'd set goals for, you know, 75 books for the year for myself, that sort of thing. Where are you at? Uh, this year I'm at four. Really? Uh, this has been a, a, a bust of a year uh, for reading. Um, way more writing going on uh, this year. So I, I Still think, productive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I cut, I cut my my uh, total in half uh, to see if I could even manage that. So. And do you have like writing people like people that are also writing and you have talked to them like do you have like a forum that you go to or I do not no no Mike Fournier is the only one I've actually spoken really? to really yeah because yeah. I mean like <laughs> gathering all this stuff like yeah. you know like I, it seems like you really enjoyed the family aspect of these scenes like the the book scene and music yep. it seems like you've really latched on to a lot of like the community of it yep then you just then you just blew up my theory. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it interesting? You know, when you when so you put maybe it like that, it's more private. When you put it like that, yeah, it, it definitely feels way more way more private. I'm starting to reach out a little bit more um, now that I started um, on Instagram. I kind of found a couple of hashtags that will, you know, <laughs> direct people to uh, direct people to it if they if they choose to find it. Yeah. And then uh, oh, I was trying to turn on my flashlight. No, no. So it will direct people to it. So I have other people, other writers who um, will like the, the things on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that community is growing a little bit. But yeah, I th- from I, I'm I'm old school, so I I consider success publishing something like print, having a book printed mm-hmm. and having somebody buy it, and that's that's how I measure my success. And that's ridiculous, of course, because you know this is not a printed world anymore. Uh, it is for me. It is. It is, and it is. And I think I know most people, or most people I know, don't read on, on a Kindle. They read a book. Yep. Uh, or at least it's fifty-fifty. You know. So I still like books. I I hold my the stupid thing in my hand, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Yep. The, the Kindle. Or oh yeah. Thing whatever, or whatever the people are using now. What are the kids doing? I don't know. What do the kids use? What do the kids do? There's generally just like apps for it that you can use on your phone so you don't have to buy a Kindle specifically the, for it. So there's a Kindle app and... Yeah. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, But I I, I buy books, you know. Yeah. I, I don't I don't read online. Mostly used books? Yeah. Pretty much strictly used books, yeah. Just from a financial... You go to Raven? I do. I uh, do. Do you know... Josh Goldman works there. He's, he's in this band. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was there last weekend. He was um, friends with Sarah Borgasmi. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He worked at that w- Josh? He worked at WDGM in uh, at Framingham State. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's there. Sort of probably my height. Um always wears a black shirt. Yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time I poke my head in there, I'll see I cause I would recognize him. I I think I would recognize him. He's his a face, smart so. he I mean he reads. Yeah. Probably as much as you do. Yeah. You know. And very intelligent guy. I'm sure he would have some great recommendations. Oh, very cool. And that's a fantastic store. Really, really great. Yeah. Store. Yeah. And it's been there for a while. And that's the last one. That's it. There's not one on Newbury Street anymore? It's one on Newbury Street. The one in, I think the one on Harvard's gone. Or maybe for vice versa. I think Newbury Street's gone because yeah. I was in Harvard Square okay, two, yeah, yeah. maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, right. Ah, 
<laughs> see, you know, that's, that group, it's not well, a print world anymore. See, world. Yeah, I know. But I, when I worked at Harvard, I used to stop in there once in a while, and one, once in a while he'd be there. But we're on less. Like, whenever I go in there, I could just look and just find something. Yeah. And be like, whether it be an art book yeah. or a fi- you know piece of fiction or whatever. Yeah. It was a great store. Yeah, I bought a I bought a book about um, uh, anarcho punk bands from the 80s there you know it's just mm-hmm. like they have everything you know yeah. it's really really great I, just uh, there was this guy who, from Chicago who does a bunch of posters uh, I forget his J something whatever uh, and they had a, his poster book there it was great all these posters from the 90s that I, that I loved when I was a kid yep it was great so are you talk? Are you going to talk to an editor, or have you been talking to an editor? Or no, I'm going to I'm going to self publish. I think um, yeah. maybe do a small a small quantity and kind of get it out there myself, and and th- and then see if somebody wants to publish it from there. Um, like a, like an independent press, like an yeah. MIT kind of thing. Yep. Or yeah, exactly. Cool. Oh, MIT would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can print your your books. You know, you they'll 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 set it up for yeah. you. Know, I mean, I don't know how much it costs. The other guy in the band, he works at MIT. Really, yeah, and he works at the press. Oh, I'll give you. I'll give him your number. Yeah, I have. I have many books on <laughs> on their press in my yeah. collection. So yeah, um, I'm kind of still of that punk rock. Like, I want to make a hundred copies of this and write inside each one yeah. and put a paper band around I mean, it and all that stuff. You know, I mean, it would be awesome. Just like a white, just like just like your the pictures, like or just this white background yeah. with the black writing. It's very simple. Yeah. It'd be nice. Yeah. Well, that whole aesthetic too is part of part of my punk rock thing too. Is is just keep it simple and um, you know if the words are going to speak to somebody, then they will, and if they don't, then go on to the next thing. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's fine. Thanks for stopping. It's by. fine. Sometimes I read my own writing and I go, yeah, I'm on to the next thing, whatever. You know. Yeah, I mean that's an. Uh, so are you a lot reflective about this stuff? Like, do you go back a lot of times, or is it just not a lot? But I do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes I'll think of something or so, uh, I'll go have I written that already you know and 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 I'll have to do a search uh, uh, through just to see if I'm writing the same thing that I wrote you know a year and a half ago mm-hmm. um, has it changed the writing has changed immensely immensely I don't know for better or for worse um, I personally think for better it's e- it's easier to read and it, and it I think it evokes an image uh, now more than it used to because it's less linear, I think, um, um, making the reader the writer. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you—it's your job to read this, and if you're going to enjoy it, make something of your of your own. Just take this image and relate to it, or paint your own picture, write your own thing, um, rather than me kind of going. <laughs> I woke up, I walked down the stairs, and I tripped on the toy on the stairs. You know that kind of stuff. Because that—that's not so interesting to me anymore. Um, I. Now, granted, the longer form things that I'm writing are like that, um, yeah. not so poetic. But the but the story a day thing that's kind of morphed into the poetry mm. is is strictly poetry at this point. Have you had a lot of feedback? Um, definitely, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm starting to think about it. It's just like. You know, if I get 50 likes for a poem, that's just amazing. You know, that's amazing. I think that's amazing. Yeah. For sure. And occasionally, you know, somebody will say, hey, this is really great. And I'll look at their stuff and go, oh, my God, that's now that's great. You mm-hmm. know, so it's nice to um, um, to get comments. Um, I don't do it for the likes or the comments, you know, but it's but it's really 
uh, it's super sweet of people to reach out. Just seems like a new outlet, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. It's great fun. It's great fun. I mean, I know we, we've talked a lot about it already, but like, what was it like when you were, so you, you were done with Slapshot five years ago, you said, and then you said four years ago is kind of when you started doing more writing. Mm-hmm. What was the transition like? Was it was there like an empty space where you were just like, I don't know, just like looking for something? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh you know, when when the, when the kids start getting older and they get, and they start asserting their independence, um, you kind of have less uh, things uh, to do because they want to go out with their friends and they have their own interests and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I started just thinking about you know what would you know an artistic mark look like. You know, what what would I want to do other than music? Um, Did you so, think about anything else? Like, I mean, other than writing? No. Because, no. you know, what's funny is I never considered myself a writer, like, ever. Uh, and I, I really still don't consider myself a writer. Um, but I look back at things that I had done. Like, I, I did this fanzine in the, in the 80s. Um, and it was, like, you know, clip art images and just silly stuff, you know. But there was, like, writing in it. There was little snippets of writing very similar to what I'm doing now. Hmm. And I had forgotten all about that stuff. Um, what was it called? Flesh Color. Flesh Color. And it was a joke. It was like this joke fanzine that I started, because I was working at a repo graphics shop. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, started putting together things just to staple it together and make people laugh. Um, but then there was some, you know, little, bit, little bits of writing in there. And I was like, wow, I've, I've been writing this whole time, you know? I just, I wasn't organized about it and I wasn't, appreciative of it Hmm. um it didn't seem like it was um uh at the time it didn't seem like a a a viable form of art that i was putting out there but you know who knows maybe it was so what changed like was there just like a a light went on and that was it or was it a slow progression no it was kind of a slow thing like once i started reading heavily um and I started reading a lot of uh, Russian authors um, uh, just based on uh, how uh, unbelievably descriptive and, and how it would take a thousand pages to tell this, to tell this story. Um, and you'd, you'd be 30 pages into, um, you know, the description of something very simple. And um, that just really spoke to me. Um, Tolkien also helped me to uh, uh, appreciate um, how how to use how to how to really take descriptive things um, and make an impressionist painting out of you know telling a very simple description, and that was sort of like a challenge to me too. Was like oh that's that's really cool you know it's just a cool thing when somebody can do that. Um, obviously, I'm not even approaching that level but it was it, it, that's what kind of sparked me was Tolkien and and Russian authors um, um, and seeing if I could somehow make um, you know use my powers of, <laughs> of of writing to you know be descriptive about things mm-hmm. and that's all I was really looking to do was not so much tell a story but to make an impression and to um, you know put something down to to look at and help people to maybe relate to has it been fulfilling? Like, have you have you got the same sort of? I mean, I guess it's not the same feeling, but it, do you get the same kind of fulfillment you did out of music? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, because I do it every day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to do. But I don't it, even do music every day. Yeah, so you got but one about me. I don't. I don't listen to music every yeah. day. You know what I mean. So I it's don't like even pick up my guitar maybe yeah. once a week. But I've committed to do this thing every day, uh, and so every day I have to think about. I have to think about it. I have to, um, you know, please myself. I have to tell a s- story, you know, of some sort, mm-hmm. and you know, start thinking about like what. What will people think if they read this? You know, what what might this evoke in some, if in somebody's mind if they read this, if anything? And that doesn't that usually comes up with a zero, you know, because yeah. I I don't know what people think, but um, <laughs> but it, you know, I, yeah, it's something I do every day, like like clockwork. So, are you surprised you're here? Like, are you surprised that you're where you are? Like, as far as your artistic side? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you're happy with it? I am. I'm very cool. happy with it. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people can say that. <laughs> well, m- music was like thuggery to me, you know what I mean? It really was, you know, we were looking to just just pound, and pound, pound. a lot more elegant. It and That's a good word for it. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely elegant. It's uh, it's still ugly, you know? Um, it's still... Is there uh, still aggression in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah not so much... Not so much... Um, Hmm. Maybe aggression's not the right word yeah. for it. Um, tension. Mm-hmm. There's definitely tension in it. Um, I, I try and create. Try to resolve that? Yeah, yeah. But I try and create these tense situations in, in my writing so that, because that helps me to, um, um, like you said, resolve it in my head, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, same way that bashing my brains out used to do. It's like, well, great. Now I'm exhausted and I feel great, you know? Having the same effect? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not so much the exhaustion, but definitely, <laughs> definitely like, Sounds yeah, exhausting. yeah, yeah. It, it definitely feels like, um, you know, you kind of step through a door. Yeah. Um, so huh. yeah, I'm older now. So, I mean, that's, that's enough for me. That's a lot of physical activity walking through the door. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got here. I don't know. It's in that traffic. Um, cool. I mean, so I, I, I don't even know what you do now. Like what, what, what are you, where are you working? I work for uh, a medical software company. I'm pretty much doing what I was doing at Newbury, honestly, solving problems. That's another thing. Like you, you've changed directions in your life a couple times. Yeah. Like pretty, like left turns. Like how did you get into, into you know writing software or writing for AS400? <laughs> oh God, um, it was opportunity. You know, it's like uh, I think uh, the reason I got into IT at Newbury was because I was helping do the inventories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some propensity with electronics, you know, uh, um, you know, when something broke, I could help fix it, or at least I could follow direction to help fix it, that kind of thing. So um, I think um, that Newbury saw that that was an asset. So brought me in, you know, you know success or failure over those 15 years, I'm not sure. That's one of the, another thing I'd say about Newbury. They definitely, at the time, when I was there, and obviously when you were there, I'm not sure about you as well, much, Eric, but uh, they gave people an opportunity to, like, fail, like, or succeed more, you know, like, even if you didn't know, even if you didn't know anything about something in particular, they're like, well, just go do it. And right. if it works out, good. If it doesn't, we try. Right. You know? Yeah. And my, and my uh, like, it was, it was more of my relationship with my department that kind of drove me away um, and provided a 
level he, of he frustration. Drives me crazy too. Yeah, you know, it's just it, it's just like I mean, you're de- dealing with a very strong personality that is not very nurturing, uh, or wants you to to succeed is is tough, you know, because yeah. I want to do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, with this company that I'm working for now, it, I, I'm doing basically the same thing. You know, I just people have problems with their software and they call me and I direct them and I help them get their problems fixed and. Um, it's a it's way more corporate, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. So there's mechanisms for everything, and there's paths and uh, and all that stuff. Lots that of red tape. Yeah, but it's Plus like it's the medical industry, right? Right. Eric also works ah. with Care Care Fusion or yeah, Texas. Now it's a BD. Oh, yeah. BD okay. Yeah. And then his his friend, our friend Eric, who also works for New Ray, works for Care Fusion or Pixis or something. Oh, he's back at. He oh, Lee. Right, right. Yeah, but he did work with me for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, again, it's I, I don't have any deep love for medical software, um, <laughs> but I, I certainly like helping people. I like solving problems, that kind of thing. So, um, but it's nice to have some corporate structure behind it. To tell you the truth, because I have a nice building to go to every day, and benefits, and you know, yeah, all those nice. all the things that you know I need to take care of my family. You yeah, know, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and it's cool because I punch out at 5.30 and I'm done. And you don't – it's behind. I, it's behind me. The next shift takes over and I come in in the morning and if there's a problem still going on, it's been worked on all night and, you know, so that's, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with, you know, Newbury, I would have to drive out to Amherst at 10 o'clock at night because their cash register croaks, yeah. you know. It's just like – give you ulcers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This place doesn't. So it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's another reason. Uh, you know, I started there four years ago. So maybe that's another reason that. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> another reason that I, I I can kind of nurture that artistic side of myself too is because I don't have those ulcers anymore. You know. Yeah. They might help though. I, I'm I'm doing great. No, I'm doing great. I'm really really enjoying myself uh, with 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 the path that I've chosen for my. Art, artistic life at this point so great yeah. great well I mean I I think we I think we got it what do you think oh no, this is great this is great I didn't realize we had started we just oh, kind of started yeah. well, that's, so. that's the best thing that's the best, uh, I did, we just started talking we yeah. started talking before we even you know when you walked in and yeah. then Eric just kind of just presses the button good because he knows it's already started cool alright good um, one thing I do ask of every uh, it's become a question that I ask everybody whether it be Somewhere near the end or at the end, is there a band? And this is kind of what the whole podcast is about. And it's all—we didn't even talk about some stuff. See, that's the thing. I feel kind of bad because you know I came here under the uh, you know I, I understand that this is primarily about music, you know, and it is and it isn't. I mean, uh, a lot of it is me talking to friends. You know, uh, I just it just happened the first couple people I I've known and. It's gonna get more and more difficult when I get to the people. I'm like, we. I saw you once at a club. Yeah. Or I saw your band once, and thanks for coming. And it's gonna be a little bit more uh, not as fun to talk to those people. Um, just a little more difficult. But we, yeah, we didn't talk much about, um, and I don't want to get too far into it because I don't want to keep y'all too long. But uh, like playing in clubs, and one of the things we talk about a lot is the change Boston has gone through over the last 20, mm-hmm. 30 years, you know, playing in Boston now is not what it was. Even when I was playing in like the late nineties and two thousands, you know, a lot, 
Um, so that's one thing we usually talk about a lot. And I don't know if you have anything to say about you were playing in the eighties and then, then you took a break and you came back in the nineties. I mean, did you see a difference then? I did. Absolutely. Um, um, but I'm not sure if it's something that most people would recognize because we were playing, um, you know, back then we were playing places like the rat and the channel, you know, Mm -hmm. the channel was like the big venue, um, but was kind of out of the way. Um, and, um, you know, the rat was the heartbeat of the place, but man, what a pit, you know what I mean? It really was like, it was so amazing to play there, but boy, you know, it's just, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some great stories from the rat that I, I'm sure you have up your sleeves. <laughs> I've seen some great, great shows. There are some yeah. great shows. Um, you certainly didn't realize what you had until it was gone. Um, and that's one thing that I did notice about Boston is, is there are some, some really great venues around now um well you were talking about once you know a once came out of nowhere yep and then then they've only been around for what three years maybe four yeah. tops and then they have this instant that somebody obviously has a grudge or something yep. and now they're down right for how long they say they're going to come back but i don't know that you know well jg she's definitely she's dedicated to it you mm-hmm. know what i mean i talked to her a couple of days ago she's She's definitely dedicated to it, and I told her I would do anything that I could, sweat equity-wise, you know, to mm-hmm. help her get kind of back, you know. So, um, you know, super venue, great people, all that stuff. Um, you know, I went to, uh, let's see, where what's that place over on, uh, I don't even know the name of the, the club. Brighton Music Hall? Yep. Beautiful venue. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, beautiful venue, you know. What was that before? I forget. Uh, I forget what the name. Yeah, right. I, I, it was some. It was a, a club that I never went to because it was predominantly always like jam bands. Jam bands, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I was surprised to see this show there. Um, I went to see uh, This Will Destroy You. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, it was was it was quite good and a great venue and all that stuff. But um, I there just seems to be like this kind of like heart missing. Like there's there's venues, but there seems to be this kind of like like people line up and they check your ID and you go in and you enjoy the show and you buy some beer and then you leave. I'm not involved in the community, so maybe that's why I don't see it, but it doesn't seem like there's that same like you go and you hang out before the show and you see everybody you know and you know it might be different at O'Brien's because I definitely see people hanging out yeah, there yeah. all the time that kind of stuff yeah. um, but um, you know the the main venues that exist in Boston now just seem like it's like I bought my ticket on Ticketmaster and I saw the show and now I'm going home I think that I think you're right with those type of venues especially because and I, I feel like a broken record not over the podcast overall but like I keep on talking about the Middle East, and we I just the the absence of the mid-range club is gone. It's gone. Yeah, you know, it, it's either you play uh, at O'Brien's or Great Scott or uh, shit snacks uh, in uh, uh, in JP. I forget what the hell's Midway. Name. Midway, yeah, Midway. This guy knows on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Midway. So it's like there's it's either that. Or you don't play. Yeah. There is no... The clubs have disappeared. Yeah. And the booking has disappeared. There's no one booking. You, ha- you have to do everything yourself. Which is fine. 
there's no nothing, no problem with that. Work work for what, but you just can't like I, you could just throw a stone when I was playing, yeah. and they go, yeah, sure. When when do you want to play? I got to slot Driggs now. But the thing is, this is Boston. I mean, it's it's like it's more populous now than it was then. Yeah. And there's way more college kids because all the colleges have expanded. So, you know, do you think that because of the um, the the ability to get your music and to get your entertainment online that people are just kind of like yeah you know the live show is not as important anymore yeah unless it's a bigger band that plays at the bigger venues or you're still in appreciation of who's playing at O'Brien's and you like that little community you know but you won't find probably BU kids going to O'Brien's you know no, no. I mean the community's there for those places for sure like I, I I played some of those places recently within the last year and. There's definitely a community amongst yeah. the artists, for sure. And even the people who are going there are going there because they like they gen- genuinely like the music. Yeah, right. And they're not going for a beer or just to be someplace. They're going to watch and enjoy it. So um, it's changed a lot. Yeah. And, I mean, it seems that it changed even from your, obviously, like, the the community and the, the people that were around in the early 80s. It's completely different than yeah. that I mean the, even when I was in the hardcore in the, in the early 90s like the community was so strong the kids were like so close knit right you know probably too close in some <laughs> respects uh, <laughs> but it has changed yeah I, you know I as somebody who doesn't go to a lot of shows but but like that was my knee jerk was um, well, we went to see uh, Jeremy Enoch the other night too, at, uh, <laughs> at, which was amazing too. I really was, really was a, a really special show. It was really cool. Um, but again, you know, the venue was totally weird. Um, um, I did meet some people there that I that I knew from Newbury, you know, for years and years and that kind of stuff. So that was nice. Um, but again, it, it's it's kind of it seems like this kind of um, you know pack them in and pack them out mentality. You know, there doesn't seem to be that vibration anymore no I, yeah there's a vacuum in in two senses of the word like you're saying that you the vacuum of clubs and the vacuum of there's there's no community mm. the, the the spice or like the the drive the bright the vibration as you put it is gone yeah or fleeting I mean it, it might happen here and there but even the people that I know who were a part of the scene that I was a part of are, you know, they're older. They still, a lot of them still play. Yeah. But there are more and more of them moving to Lunenburg (laughs) or wherever. Yep. Getting away, having kids and things like that. But I don't even think that's like the crux of it. I think it's just the mentality has changed. Mm. The people not only have changed, but like the the actual people of of the community have changed, but it's just... There's no longer that interest. It's no. I, I don't know how to put it. And I, and and I'm and I guess what I'm trying to do is find out why. Why part of the reason yeah. why we're doing this? Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I'm. 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 I'm probably a perfect example of why. You know, the clubs start failing because I, I haven't been going to clubs. And I really haven't. You know, it's like I'm. And some of it was a reaction to what I was seeing in the clubs. I wasn't enjoying myself or it was too violent or it was too far out or too inconvenient or, you know, whatever. Uh, just kind of 
kind of got to me, you know, and all those things kind of piled up. And I just said, I'm not really getting much out of this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm finding things elsewhere. I'm not finding things online. You know, I'm not, I'm not going, well, the damned are playing in town. So why don't I just watch them on the phone instead of, you know, or simulcast or some, whatever they call it, you know, podcast, mm-hmm. like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are the kids? Yeah. What are the kids? I got to look at her for, uh, but you know, I, I I just don't choose that online entertainment, you know. I mean, the way I get my stuff out is online, but I'm, you know, if I want to go see a band, I'll go see a band, you yeah. know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I am part of the problem in a lot of ways because I, I will take a whatever percentage of the blame not going to shows. And it's more or less that once I got to a certain point, I was like, I don't want to go anywhere. Yep. Lame, lame, lame excuse. Yep. But um, if there's like, so for instance, two bands, uh, which I think you'll enjoy, that, that aren't, haven't been bands in 40, 50 years, we're getting back together. And, and you know, the people who are going are the people who are, were either there or the people who still love them or were introduced. Uh, the Birds are doing a 50th anniversary uh, sweetheart. Oh, tour. really? Yeah. And then the next night, Michael Nesmith is doing First National Band. Oh, my the goodness. The first three records. Wow. Yeah. I'm S- super pumped. See, those are two Those are two amazing happenings. Yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. You know, one, because the birds, I mean, you know, all the, you know, the lineup changes and the schism that happened during that. I, it would really be interesting to see, um, you know, how that comes off. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's only two left, yeah. um, and they're in their seventies, so you don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah. You know, is it going to sound the same? Yeah. You know, they're they're probably playing like different amps now. They're not going to play a Fender. They're going to play some sort of J and K. Like I'm like, so it's going <laughs> to sound. It's not going to sound how I wanted it to sound. Yeah. But to see it is going to be cool. Yeah. But again, that's I guess my point in mentioning that is that that's not. Um, you know, that's not Gold Muse, the band that practice here. Those bands around town, like, I don't know much of them anymore. Like, I don't do my research. I don't keep up with them. Um, and I don't listen to them. And yeah. I don't go. So I'm as much as part of the problem as anything. But I also think that I'm 40 years old. And shouldn't there be, or maybe I'm assuming and being, shouldn't there be a guard taking up the next generation being like, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna start going to shows now because, or is that just the music's changed, interests have changed, or is it just purely that it's that they'd rather just stay home and watch it online, or they don't need to see that live show? It just doesn't matter as much anymore. You know, I'm 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 always um, one to blame uh, online for everything, you know, because <laughs> that's not my world. You know, yeah, no, I I definitely get get lots of information and listen to music online and all that stuff, but. Um, you know, I, I definitely blame, um, the sort of apathy on the ease of accessibility for everything. Mm. I really do. Um, you don't have to fight for anything anymore. Right. There's no, everything's accessible. You can immediately get anything you want. Mm. So why would you go outside? You know? (laughs) So sad. Yeah, it is sad. Yeah, it is. Um, but yet, you know, you say you're to blame, but here you are, here you are, you know, making the podcast, you know, it's like, even if you're just trying to find the answers to the questions that, uh, 
um, you know, are, um, oh, very nice. Yeah. Even if you're just trying to bring up the, the, the dialogue, um, you know, you're doing your part. So, yeah, something that's going to be consumed online. <laughs> Actually, we're going to record these all to Type 1, uh, Maxwell Red. Tape. Excellent. And then just, <laughs> Eric's going to drive around and just chuck them at people's heads. But you know what? You can listen to this in your car. You yeah. know, you can listen to it at work, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get it. You know what I mean? How else could you disseminate something like this? You'd I have to put it on a college station, you know, that somebody would listen to at 3 in the morning, you know. And, I mean, that would be just, interesting. And I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if that happens. But I'm, I assume it happens. Like, People replay podcasts or whatever. Yeah, but here I am, 53 years old. I, you know, the likelihood that I'm going to be listening to MBR at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> for this kind of stuff is is slim. Yeah. You know, slim. So you got, you got to ride the rails of convenience, you know, mm-hmm. at some point and make sure that, you know, your content is responsible and, and somebody gets something out of it. Well, that's what I hope. That's what I hope. I hope someone listens to it. Other than, other than Eric and I, <laughs> and whoever seen, whoever the guest happens to be, and your daughter, maybe I don't know. Uh, she won't listen. She's like, ah, this is a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> what am I doing here? Uh, I promised question. her pizza. So, oh really? Yeah. Sweet. Where are you gonna go? Uh, Regina, probably. Wow. Yeah. Oh, right down here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. I like that place. And then uh, there's a street festival over in Somerville, so I think we're gonna stop by there. So what's that about? Um, it's called Summer Streets, and they they like they're blocking off Davis Square and just having vendors and entertainment and all that oh, stuff. Cool. So yeah, is it like that winter thing they did in Halifax? Uh, probably it, not as cold, but yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. probably. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. <laughs> Halifax just sounds cold by itself. Halifax is because it was cold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, last question, and then you all. I hope I didn't keep you too long. No, um, not at all. Uh, is in. Uh, relation to what we were talking about, you know, things not being forgotten or things, maybe things being forgotten. Is there a band from that era, from your era or any era in Boston music that you want to remember that you think maybe has been forgotten or? Well, we were talking about Burma at the beginning, uh, Mission of Burma. Um, they're certainly not forgotten. I mean, their, their legend is huge, but um, as far as um, the effect that they had on on me mm-hmm. um, it was enormous just enormous the musicianship the um, the con- the content the package the um, the na- the nature and the lyrics the p- kind of poetic nature of the lyrics nobody was making music like that so mm-hmm. it was just uh, really really something special um, Minor Threat was another one that I just can listen to anytime and get the same excitement out of um, you know, there was tons of Boston bands that were uh, really, really, um, you know, huge for me. Um, but of the ones, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Mission of Burma, I think, as, right. as my uh, my choice. That uh, is a my valid ga- answer my gateway. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Mark. My I pleasure. Pre- I thank appreciate you. you coming all the way down here. No, no problem. It's great to see right. you again. And yeah. Uh, and chat about uh, all this stuff and thanks for your attention oh well no I thanks for coming down I, we're better off for it for sure ah you're too kind <laughs> you're too kind my friend thanks thanks <clears throat>